Hello and welcome to the Full Time Whistle podcast, uh, the second episode of our previews to the upcoming season. Um, so yeah, last time we started off with my team, Nottingham Forest, and now going on to Luke's team, Chelsea. Um, first of all, mate, how are you, uh, how are you feeling your pre-season's gone so far? As we speak, we haven't actually we haven't actually played a game yet. Uh, we've been in LA this week, and our first game is tomorrow night. Well, early hours Sunday morning, so it'll be a good indication of, of how they're getting on. Uh, happy with with how the squad's looking. Definite, definite, um, definitely need more some, some more players coming in. But yeah, I think. Overall, I'm pleased with what I've seen on, on sort of like the social media accounts and the things like that that, that we get the, the privilege to see. Yeah, so so talking of, of the squad then, so you've got Kulabali in so far, you've got Sterling in so far, two great bits of business. Both under both for under 80 million as well. So, yeah, mm-hmm. two, two world-class players in, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, hopefully some more where that came from, um, I think. Kula Bali's a, a direct replacement for Rudiger. Yeah. P- potentially an upgrade on him. Don't want to shout it too loudly, but yeah. potentially, as my, I love Rudiger, like, honestly, yeah. one of my favourite defenders of ever played for Chelsea. Yeah. But um, yeah, Kula Bali potentially is an upgrade on him. We'll see how he gets on in England. And then Sterling is, without a shadow of a doubt, an upgrade on Lukaku. Like, there's, there's not even a debate there in my mind. I just think that for 45 and a bit million quid, just absolute bargain, bang into his prime of his career, already over 100 Premier League goals, just mm. mad. And he's got the second most goal involvements ever under Pep. With some of the players he's worked with, that's, that's nuts, and we all know he's number one. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm really happy with how it's going. And also players like Conor Gallagher, that's like a new signing. That's yeah. like signing a, a £40 million midfielder. He's... He's, he's excellent. I saw a video, there was a sort of like a live training they did on, on YouTube the other day. And um, I watched it. It was a silly o'clock in the morning because it's in the States. But I watched a bit of it back and they did like sort of like a possession drill. Conor Gallagher just presses and presses and presses. He's like a mixture between, obviously not the levels of these players yet, but he's like a mixture between Mount and Kante. He's got the pressing and the, the energy and the stamina of the stamina and the energy of Kante and the pressing of Mount combined is, 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 yeah, it's good to see. Yeah. And so looking at kind of additions coming in, um, I know you kind of, in our last pod, we kind of spoke about um, players coming in. So a couple of players who won't be coming in, Ake, Ronaldo. But just want to just tell us a bit about the players who you think will come in and kind of what they can add to Chelsea going forward. I think, I think Kim Pembe is looking pretty likely from PSG. Obviously, worked with Tuchel before, and um, he always says that Thiago Silva is a mentor to him. So he's got some good connections there already, and then with the likes of Kante in the national side. So I think that'll be a good addition. Still not massively convinced on him because the French league for defenders, especially for PSG, isn't the toughest. Yeah. Um, so I'm not not overly convinced, but not a bad third choice centre back behind behind your Silva and um, and Koulibaly. Um, there's going to be another right-sided attacker. Um, who that is at the moment is is really unsure. There's, there was a few people spoke about, but all of them look like they're going elsewhere. So uh, yeah. as with the transfer window, there's always names around the corner. 
Um, yeah. And I think we need a little bit of cover on the right-hand side of the fence. I think Azpilicueta is going to go. Alonso is going to go as well. And it's just good to see that Tuchel's getting getting backed in in ingoing, incomings and outgoings. So, yeah, I think if I was going to predict a, a sort of a, an obscure signing, Kunde would be that one because it seems to be He's done, he's signing to Chelsea. Oh, he's not going. Oh, no, he's signing. It's been like that for about 18 months. I think that'll end up getting over the line. I think Chelsea will realise they need somebody to cover Azpilicueta who can play centre-back and right-back. And that's that's what Kunde can do is he, he plays centre-back for Seville and, uh, and right-back for France. Yeah, so kind of... Obviously, Lukaku leaving and, and say, like, the additions of Sterling... Um, how do you kind of see Chelsea setting up? Do you think it's going to be the end of Chelsea's out-and-out striker sorts of going forward? Or yeah. how do you think it's going to be like spread across the front three? And, well, and behind yeah. the front? I think you'll remember we, we had a, a large discussion between a few of us last year or last season about, about the traditional number nine coming to the end of an era generally. And yeah. I, I definitely think that's the case at Chelsea. I think Kai Havertz proved himself sort of the last three or four months of last season that you don't need a number nine to play good, fluid football. And I think if you look back at Tuchel's best teams, has he had an out-and-out number nine in any of them, really? Yeah. Okay, he had Cavani at PSG for a couple of seasons. I think he maybe caught a season of Lewandowski at, yeah. at Dortmund. But other than that, he's always had fluid attacks. And I think that, that, that that's what he's edging towards with Chelsea. I think there's going to be a change in shape by the sounds of it. Um it's looking like we might go to a four-three-three with a, depending on if we can get a holding midfielder in or not. I mean, I'm not being funny. I think it's pretty inevitable that Declan Rice will come in, whether that's next season or this season is, is yeah. something something to be uh, to be decided yet. But um, yeah, I, I I think it's positive, mate. I think the shape's looking positive from from what they're saying, and the squad's starting to get there. I think we'll probably see another two or three signings. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I think that it's just refreshing, and I know I mentioned it on the last pod, but it's refreshing to have manager power over player power for once at Chelsea. Yeah, and so obviously finishing third last season, um, which obviously I know was a bit touch and go at times in the season, but obviously towards the end you kind of found a bit of form again and, and secured that that position. What's an improvement for you then next season? Like obviously. Uh, in your opinion, will you be joining the Man City and Liverpool in that party, or do you think it's maybe a bit too soon? Or how competitive do you think Chelsea will be against kind of that leadership? What I'd like to see um, is I'd like to see us cut the gap. I think we've been nineteen and twenty-one points from City in the last two seasons that, that, that they've won the league. So I'd, I'd like to see that gap cut maybe to ten points, something like that. I'd accept, but also when we play those teams to rival them. So Liverpool last year, we played them four times, both cup finals, home and away, and every single game was a draw, which is good. Mm. But we're not losing, but we're not beating them. That's that's what I'm concerned about. And with City, yeah. we, lo- we lost both games 1-0. And it was like, it was more of a defensive approach. I'd like to see us go at them. Mm. Um, so I'd like to see that. Silverware, being a Chelsea fan, is... I wouldn't say we expect it, but it's become a habit. Um, obviously, we had a couple of European trophies in the last few seasons. With, I mean, some people include the Super Cup and the Club World Cup, some don't. 
sort of yeah. silverware, I suppose. But yeah, I think a, a domestic cup would be nice. Sort of quarters or semis in the Champions League is always nice. And yeah, but just for me, it's mainly it's about the Premier League. The Premier League's important, I think, to yeah. cut that gap, to stop having the, the blips that you have, to be just to be that little bit more consistent. All right, you're gonna drop points against against certain teams here and there. That's fine. But there's there was times last season where it was three, four, five, six games where it was poor performances, draw, draw, scrappy one nil win, loss, draw. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, as a Forest fan, you might you might take some of those results sometimes, but yeah, exactly. when, when you become accustomed to it as a top four side as such. You become accustomed to winning games, winning trophies and challenging. And when you're not, it's sort of like you're a kid throwing your toys out the pram. Like you're just not used to the fact that why aren't we winning those sorts of games? Like I went to a game in December and it was just when the, the sort of COVID crisis in the Premier League was kicking out and we played Everton at home and we had a relatively strong team. It weren't massive, but Everton's team was weak as anything and we drew one all. And we were pathetic. We were awful. And it's just... Little things like that we seem to have once a season, we seem to have a blip, and it's time to time to cut that out. Yeah, well, talking of Everton, they're your first game um, of the season. Um, and then, yeah, looking down those fixtures, um, Tottenham, second game, um, followed by Leeds, Leicester and Southampton. Uh, it's a stupid question, but which of the games stand out to you there? Uh I'd actually say Leeds away is the standout fixture for me out of them. Everton, Everton's our bogey team. I think I think it's a common fact that we haven't won at Goodison for about six years or something. So it's it's not not a good start to the season. But also get it out of the way, get it done. If we yeah. if we can nick a point now, I'll take that. But also going back to what I was just saying about the consistency, it needs to be the mentality of every single game we should be picking up three points, no matter who it's against. Yeah. Spurs at home is always a good one. We have such a good record over them in the last few years that it's not a game I look forward to anymore because it almost feels inevitable. But now they are changing their ways. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we're playing them early in the season because I feel like they're really going to get into a run after a few games. I feel like they will really get into a hot streak. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think Leeds away would be would be the game. There's obviously a, a rivalry dating back. Mm. Tens, tens of years with, with Leeds and Chelsea so that, that's always a good one I'm going to look to try and go to a couple of the early doors games hopefully if I can yeah um, and then, yeah like finishing off um, as we did on the Forest podcast who are we looking out for next season who's going to kind of either break through or who do you think is going to have an impeccable season I think from a breakthrough point of view I think you're looking at one of two players and it's either going to be Conor Gallagher or it's going to be Levi Colwell. I think they would be the two. At, at the moment in time when recording, there's a bit of I'm in an in around Colwell's future. Yeah. Uh, there could be a, a permanent transfer with a buyback, or he's going to stay. There's not going to be a loan by the sounds of it. And yeah. Conor Gallagher's been told he's staying with the squad. So they're the, they're the two in terms of a breakthrough. In terms of the standout player, I'm going to have to go with either Sterling or Kai Havertz. I think, I think Kai Havertz is about time that he has a full season where he's the number nine. I want yeah. him to, I, I'm not bothered about signing another number nine. I'll keep Broya. They can rotate in the cup games. He can have the last half hour of the league games, whatever. But Havertz needs to be the main man. We paid 70 million for him two years ago. He's only 23. 
his potential is incredible. He looks just yeah. in cruise control half the time. So I think him, but then you just can't Sterling. Just mm. I just can't get over the fact he's at it, it. Like in the pictures and the videos, you just I just can't actually get over the fact he signed. Like yeah. I just think it's such a world class world class player, and it's it's the first time for a long time we've signed a already world class player. So I yeah. think yeah, they'd, they'd be my two along with Mason Mount, who just always stands out, and Reese James. Yeah, prediction third, third again. I think third. I don't think it'll be comfortable. I think Spurs will challenge us. I, I, I do think they're in for a good season, but I do see the four teams: Chelsea, Spurs, City, and Liverpool breaking away from the rest a little bit. I think Arsenal have done okay, but I don't think they've done enough. And mm. I think Man United are only going backwards at the minute. So I think. I think third, just, but I think top four comfortably. Yeah, All right. nice one. Well, thanks for, thanks for that, Luke. And let's see how Chelsea get on next season. Nice one, mate.